Welcome to an incomplete guide to world domination, a podcast by creators for creators, because together we can take over the world. I'm your host, Brianna Toiber. Have you ever had a time where you, like, kind of like a dark night of the soul thing where, like, you wondered if it's worth it or, like, just hit a rough patch and weren't sure where to go next? Never really had had that because I've always been busy. And, you know, if, if my phone stops ringing, I start making calls and going out and meeting people. One of the things that where I took a chance that's really worked out, though, was back when I was still living in, in Los Angeles, back in 1988, there was a big writer strike. And I had had a whole I was literally doing back to back projects. I had about 10 things lined up. And when the writer strike happened, everything dried up. And I mean, everything dried up, everything went away and it was horrible. No one was working. You know, things start getting a little desperate and I get a call from a production that's halfway through production. It's a real low budget project. The production manager had gotten my name from someone I had worked with before. They said, look, we're halfway through. This is a Friday night. Our production designer just quit. We need someone who can start on Monday, but we only have, I think it was like 600 a week at the time for someone, but we only need someone for a week and a half or two weeks. And I went, wow, that is way, way less than my, than my rate. They said, look, I get it, but we don't have anything else. Look, if you're not doing anything else, at least it's a little cash in your pocket. And I said, you know, you're right. Everything else is dried up and it's not very long. So even if I get a call on a decent project, it generally would give me a week or two beforehand. So, you know, what kind of how much money do you have left for for sets and i said they said said, we literally have nothing left we just need someone to keep the production moving and i went oh great sure i'll do it just to stay busy you know work begets work it's one of my key phrases i've always lived by the more work you do the more work you'll get so stay busy and you'll stay busy so i show up on monday i've got about a week and a half until this uh, production ends it's in horrible shape so i'm just doing everything i can just to stay ahead of cameras and just have everything ready for them because it's a low budget production and people are quitting right and left. There were a lot of day players. And on one day I was, we'd been in, I'd been on, on the show about four days or so. And we had a day player come in to be the first assistant director for one day. He was just filling in for one day, but this guy normally does a lot of commercials and it was a really busy day we had going on. There was a lot happening. So I've, I've got what little few crew members I had, I had them hopping, man, we were, running from one thing to the next. And I was seeing what was going on and what was happening. And I stayed one step ahead. And by the end of the day, he said, look, he said, I'm not going to be here again. He said, I just came in to help a buddy for a day. He said, but I'm really impressed with how you run crews. You have a card. And I gave him my card. I didn't think twice about it. Three or four weeks later, you know, I'm off that project. This guy calls me and he said, look, I normally do commercials. That's what I'm on now. I'm at this commercial house that does a lot of stop motion animation. They lost their set designer. What do you think? I went, yeah, I've got some time. I'd love to meet him. That ended up being my biggest client the entire time I lived in uh, in LA. I did so many productions for them, um, uh, both live action and stop motion. I love stop motion. It's so much fun. In fact, I just wrapped a stop motion movie for John Favreau. I mean, I love doing stop motion. I love watching stop motion. It's so gorgeous. Oh, yeah. It is. It's absolutely amazing. But because I just took that job to fill in between other jobs, gave me another connection that land ended up being my 
biggest money-making client when I was in LA. Further proof, you never know until you try. Just get out there. People have to see what you do and know what you do. And that's when you get the opportunities. You've mentioned your company a couple of times. Uh, how'd you go about starting it? I've owned a few companies over the years. I mean, you know, I, I was starting and stopping companies all, you know, since I was in high school. You know, my uh, first actual uh, company was called Nomis Creations. And that was my advertising agency that I paid my way through college with. And then when I was working for Spielberg on Sequest, I decided I wanted to open up my storyboard studio because uh, now with him as a client and while I was doing that, I ended up picking up a, a movie at the same time. So I would do late nights on the movie and weekends on the movie. I ended up getting a lot of credits and my Nickelodeon stuff. So I incorporated at the time it was called Animatics and Storyboards and I could write off more and it's a better protection having a corporation. Mm -hmm. And then in 99, 98, something like that, <coughs> excuse me, when I landed that Disney gig, I needed to bring on a partner and hire some people. And I wanted the protection. So I formed what was called ARG Animation, A-A-R-G-H. I love the name <laughs> of that studio. I love that name too. And I needed that as a separate company because my partner was only on the animation portion with me. I wasn't going to share all my clients and my income from my storyboard studio. I mean, that, that was mine. Understandable. So, you know, I had separate companies, so we income se uh, separate. And then I sold that studio to them, uh, to my two partners that, that we, we ended up bringing on a third partner. I sold that studio to them because I didn't like the direction they wanted to go and they outvoted me. I went, well, that's fine. You can buy me out. And they did. And then I started up another studio, but I wanted my new studio to show up before theirs in all the listings. So A-A-R-G-H is hard to get in front of. So Animatics and Storyboards, my previous storyboard company, was A ampersand S. And an ampersand comes before a second A in the listings. So I called the new studio A and S Animation. And I had that for years before someone told me, you know what a terrible name that is. I said, What's wrong with, with that? They said, how do you answer your phone? I said, oh, I answer it. This is Mark, Anus Animation. What? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I had never realized if you say A and S too fast, it sounds like anus animation. So, um, so I changed that. <laughs> and then when I moved here, uh, I moved my studio from Orlando a couple years ago up to Atlanta because that's where all the production is now. And when you change states, you have to change corporate names. So now it's called storyboards in animatics. And again, I do it because you can write off more and it's and it's more protection. So there's just a lot of benefits to it. I'd be giggling about that for a while now. <laughs> I was stunned. It took me years to figure out what a problem that was. So this is slightly off topic, but in college, since I was going to be in band, I decided I wanted to go by a nickname with my band friends. So I thought I would use my first and middle initial, BJ took me a semester and a half to realize the innuendo behind that and at that point everyone was calling me that i was like mm, this this okay i'm just gonna have to ignore it now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny things we don't uh, think about it's just sometimes. like one of those days where i'm like blah 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 i wasn't even thinking about it and then my brain's like hey you know why those guys were giggling about it and look like, oh come on <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those. Sometimes you just gotta kind of roll with it and then change it as soon as you can. But I still use B 
Brianna Jean for a lot of my stuff just because my last name's German and no one can spell it or pronounce it. <laughs> I just figured go with Brianna Jean. It's easier branding anyway. Works. That it does. That it does. But then I came up with a better name for my podcast stuff. And it was actually not originally for podcasting. I was thinking about doing social media marketing for authors, but decided that didn't quite exactly feel like what I wanted to do with my life. And then I decided to give podcasting a try, and I liked it. And when I came up with the idea for Tales of Adventure, which is where I interview people's D&D characters, I was like, why don't I use that website I don't have a name for and just slap all my podcast stuff on there? Works out. It's great. I've always been one of those people like, if something you want to exist doesn't exist, go make it. And and that's actually another thing. It's another story from my book too. But Animation Magazine, I'm I've, I've been reading that since it was almost new, and the masthead on it always said the art and business of animation. And I love business behind things. And I read that one, art and business of animation. I don't remember any articles about business. So I went through a bunch of issues and there were no stories about the business of animation. So like you just said, well, I'll create it. So I created an idea for a a series of articles called the, um, if I can remember it now, it's been years since I was writing those. Um, I can't remember the name of my own articles, but anyway. Been there. Yeah. I called the editor of the magazine, just called him directly and introduced myself and said, hey, so I noticed the masthead says the art and business of animation, but you don't have any business articles. I have an idea for business article that'll fill a gap in your magazine. And he asked what it was. I told him, he goes, do you have any samples? I said, yes, I do. He goes, great, go ahead and send me a proposal and I'll have the editorial team read through it. So, and I was already prepared. I knew he'd asked me for all that. So as soon as we hung up, I sent him an email with, three finished sample articles and about 10 or 15 ideas, you know, single sentence ideas on what I would do. And it was a, a humorous look at, at the real business of, of art and animation. A couple of days later, he called me up, said, we love the idea. You're hired. And so for years, I did a monthly article for Animation Magazine um, because I saw a gap and I filled it. That's that's one thing that doesn't always get talked about with creative stuff is the business side of being a creative, and like there, there's a lot of work. You're you're basically a business person, or if you, like I know a lot of writers don't realize that you are essentially an entrepreneur. So there there's stuff that you need to do and stuff you need to figure out and understand if you want to succeed. Yeah, and everybody's in marketing because you have to market yourself. Whatever you're doing, you're in marketing and you're in sales. You have to let people know who you are and you have to be able to close the deal. You also need to be an accountant because money is your money. You have to understand what's coming in and what's going out and how to handle it. Uh, and, and even with my kids in college, I told them, I said, you study whatever you want as long as you also study business and you have to take accounting because you don't want to have people rip you off because you don't understand how accounting works. And I've known people that's happened to a number of times. So, you know, so luckily they listen to me and, and that's what they're doing. But you're right. I mean, it's you're running a business, even if you're just an independent, even if you're only a crew person doing a W-2, you have to know how to land jobs, get more jobs, track your money, market yourself to get more future work. It's a you are a business of yourself. Yep, that is true. I <laughs> 
I so my first job out of college was with a startup and the owner like he mentioned he had been ripped off a couple times by a couple of people and he ended up letting me go within like five months of hiring me and it's supposed to be an internship but he's like I want you full time and then he let me go because he decided that what he thought he was going to be doing wasn't what he really wanted to do and I don't know if he ever made up his mind but I'm just kind of sitting over here I've worked several jobs since then some freelance some well not quite full-time but I'm just kind of starting my own thing and doing what I want to sometimes you just gotta sometimes you just gotta take that leap take that step and start doing stuff you don't have to wait for someone else to give you permission and and you know one of the other things I've also noticed is that if you're if you think something is really cool don't try to be calm cool and collected because that comes across as boring or or disingenuous if you've got a passion for something, let it show. It's another story from my book, uh, Start at the Top. Uh, when I was in college, one of my um, English papers was to interview someone in your industry. And most kids just went and in, interviewed anyone they could find. And I, look, and I went to, to college at, at Stephen F. Austin in Texas, which 12,000 students in a town of 12,000 people. There were no animation studios there. This is a hole in the ground uh, little town. The closest animation studio was four hours away in Dallas. At the time, and there was no internet. The internet didn't exist when I was in college. So um, I got out the yellow pages, found an animation studio, called and asked to speak to the owner. Because I don't like talking to people who can tell me no. I only want to ever talk to the person who can tell me yes. <laughs> Good way to go about it. Yeah. So I got the owner on the phone. And I, and I told him, I said, hey, I'm an animation student over here at SFA. Uh, I need to interview someone in the industry. Seems like you do some really cool stuff. I would love to come and interview you. He said, well, I've got a little time this Friday. Can you make it? I said, sure, I'll just take the day off from school. I'd love to. So I drove over early that morning and uh, got made sure I was there in plenty of time. When I got in, there weren't many people there. They were kind of in between productions. And the owner brought me into his office. We talked just for a minute. He goes, you know, before we really get into this, you, would you like a tour of the studio? I went, oh, my God. Yes, absolutely. I want to see this. And as we're going, it was I was like a kid in a candy shop. You know, it was the first time I had ever been in an animation studio. And I'm, I'm like, oh, look at this. Oh, look at that. And, and we, we walk to the door of this really big art room. And I point to the far side this machine that's on the far side of the wall. And I went, wow, what a great rotoscoping machine. And he looks at me and he goes, how did you know what that is? I went, well, you've got a 16 or 35 millimeter projector underneath. And I see the, your peg bars on top on, on a translucent disc. I said, and you've got lights up above. So obviously lights are projecting so you can, you can draw and, and you're projecting film underneath to draw over. What else would it be? It has to be a rotoscoping machine. And he said, I had that custom built for me. It's the only one of its kind in existence. He said, you took one glance and knew what it was. And he offered me a job right there. He said, you want to work for me? I was offered a job in the career I wanted to work in because I let my passion show. Hold back. If you think it's something's cool, let people know. I taken it. I didn't, but I wanted to finish college first. Yeah, that that's fair, but that would have that is awesome. There's a period of time where I really wanted to go into game writing, and I still do, but I want to work for Bioware specifically. And like one of my dreams in life is to work on dra- on one of the Dragon Age games. So I've actually somewhat befriended and have conversations with their um, 
I think I got promoted to director of design. If I got hired, he would be the final decision maker. Still there? You hear me? Okay, yeah, there we go. Yeah, you weren't coming through, and I was like, oh no, did we lose you? <laughs> yeah, but like, I, I've actually had Skype conversations, and we've um, had some conversations about different things of and narrative design, and I almost had a chance to meet him when he was going to be in Austin. For a day, it ended up not working out, but that was all just because I just reached out and started talking to him. I kind of did the same thing just recently because, you know, I'm still, you know, to this day, I still go out and meet new people because you never know what's going on. There's an animation studio about an outside uh, hour outside of, of Atlanta, and I knew someone who had another studio who had worked with them. So I just called them up, said, hey, I met so-and-so a few years ago. I see your base down there. I would love to come meet you. And he said, sure, I actually have time tomorrow. So I went down. Had, this was just last week. Uh, last week, I went down, met with the uh, met with the co-owner. We had lunch together, talked for a while, hit it off. He emailed me today saying, you know, we've got this series of projects coming up. Would you be interested in working on them with us? So, you know, things happen when you just keep things going on and meeting new people. It's amazing what can happen. You just got to keep moving forward no matter what life throws at you. There is one question that I try and ask everyone that I have on here. Um, It's, what is a piece of advice or something you wish someone had told you when you were starting out? It told me when I was starting out. Um, I wish someone would have explained to me what small talk is. Because I was, when I started out, I was against what I considered small talk. I'm not going to go and just bullshit with people. That's nonsense. I like heavy, deep conversations. What I didn't realize was that small talk leads to other talking. So, you know, how to introduce yourself to somebody in a big, in a uh, big situation. Like I said, my big thing now is I just walk up to someone. So what brings you here? I'm instantly going to know why they're there. And if there's someone that either I can help them or they can help me, because you know, instantly with the answer to that question. No one ever taught me the value of that. And it goes beyond that. It's if you're pitching something, what is small talk? Small talk is not nonsense. Small talk is that moment that allows someone to transition from whatever is happening in their life to then concentrating on you. So let me give you an example. You walk into someone's office. They had just gotten off the phone. They're boss has been yelling at them. Their wife's been yelling at them. Something is running late. Something's going wrong. They're yelling at someone else. There's a thousand things that people are dealing with at work every day. So if you go in to pitch something, if you walk in and just start rattling off details and characters and storylines, you're halfway through it before their mind can transition out of the nonsense that they had been dealing with before they can concentrate on you. And now in the middle of it, they have no idea what's going on. Small talk is that bridge between everything else that was going on to that moment when you have that connection with them. And generally, someone will say, that sounds great or nice to meet you, whatever. So what did you bring me? Now, when I start talking, they're with me from the very beginning. Now they're focused on me and my story. You're going to have a much better result of whatever you're pitching, whether you're selling a project, selling yourself, trying to get a job, whatever it is. That small talk is that connection between two people before the deeper conversation starts. And no one ever taught me that. That's why I try and start 
every interview instead of like, okay, let's do this thing is I try and ask like, well, you saw this. I ask, how's your day going? I, it also, I find it helps to sort of get a feeling for where the person's at. So you can adjust your pitch or whatever you're planning on doing accordingly. Interviews are for what you're doing. I think that's invaluable to your, your prepping and you're getting someone comfortable with you before you start getting into the actual interview. That's great. Yeah, and I always, I try and keep it open. Like you can, like, if you have any questions or concerns with anything, let me know. Like, cause I know some people are uncomfortable, especially with my other show, since it's, I'm interviewing the character they play as in a role-playing game. Mm -hmm. That might be a little uncomfortable to start out with. And they, there are certain parts of that that might be weird. So I'm just like, hey, if you want to like if you don't want to do a character voice that's okay and i just try and like if you like slip out or need to take a take a second to think through an answer that's fine that's what editing is for just a lot of value in sort of understanding that the person you're talking to is human just like you are and reaching out to them and helping be on the same level whether it's someone that's on the same level career rise as you are or like me talking to someone that's worked on the walking dead i've been freaking out a little bit about this interview for a really long time <laughs> <laughs> so that's like it, it it almost seemed surreal when you said yes it wasn't surreal you actually just asked me it can be really easy as you found out yeah yeah that that is true i just think sometimes people get stuck in their head like this person's way up there but it's still like i can officially brag about the fact that i've had an interview with someone that worked on the walking dead i can brag that i've been on your podcast oh you just made my day <laughs> <laughs> yeah this podcast was still pretty new when industry giants came around so i'm kind of getting into the rhythm with things and starting to drum up interest but I'm hoping I'm planning on this going somewhere because I want people that want to create things to sort of look at this podcast, listen to these interviews and think, well, they did it. So can I. And here's some of the ways they do it. And I'm going to try that. It's awesome. It's also just kind of fun talking to people about creative stuff all day. I love doing it, too. You know, one of the things I, I love about going to industry events is so that I can talk shop and share with people. Oh, I just thought of another question I always love asking. Do you have a favorite dumb question people ask you when you tell them what you do for a living? About the question, I mean, the comments, I, I get certain comments all the time. You know, people will watch me draw and they'll say, oh, I can't even draw a straight line or I can't even draw a stick figure. Um, that's the, that's the, the, the general thing. And I can't tell you off when I hear it. So I actually finally came up with a response just so I can always get a chuckle out of somebody. So whenever someone says, oh, I can't even draw a stick figure, I would say, yeah, I can't either. All mine end up looking like people. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I know a lot, you know, when people are on press tours for movies, there are certain things that they're always being asked that they, they get tired of hearing the same question over and over. I, I don't, I can't think of anything in particular on, you know, a basic question that someone always asks me. I mean, you know, how did you get started in the industry? But, you know, those are fun stories. And, and it, it generally it's comments. Uh, and some comments I don't hear anymore. I mean, you know, when I was getting started, like a lot of artists do, you know, they would hear from uh, it's, people would say, 
you know, so, you know, how do you want to make money or are you, aren't you worried about being a starving artist, which is such a bullshit term anyway. It really is. I don't believe in the term at all. I mean, look, there's, all right, there's creatives out, out there, you know, listening. Most of the people who are listening are creatives. There are more jobs for creative people and artists than any other job in the world. And I'm not just blowing smoke when I'm saying that. There's not a single thing in your life that at least one artist has not touched and probably dozens have. If you buy a chair, some artist had to design that chair. Another artist designed the fabric pattern that is on that chair. Another artist designed the box because that's a whole thing, packaging. Another artist designed the advertising to sell that chair. Another artist designed the label that went onto that box. That is a lot of artists just for one chair. I mean, if you think about pig shit, people buy pig shit in manure bags. Someone had to design that bag and illustrate the logo and the pig that's on it. Even pig shit needs artists. Have you seen the degree to and creativity that goes into advertising for toilet paper? Yeah. Look at all the commercials of these animated bears selling toilet paper. They don't always get old, unlike that stupid Eminem commercial that has not changed in years before movies. I, I they really need to replace that one. <laughs> <laughs> People should never use the term starving artist. Uh, there's artists that give up, but just being an artist doesn't mean anything other than what you put in is what you get out. Like any other and, career in the world. And just because you can't get into your industry right now, like you, you might need to get something else to pay the bills for a while, but you can get there. One of the things I tell people is work begets work. So if you want to work in, in the industry, whether it's animation or live action production, whatever it is, any job, and I mean any job in that industry is better than any job outside the industry. And here's what I mean. Let's say you want to work at an animation studio or a gaming studio, as you were talking about. If you are sweeping floors at that studio, every single person you meet can help your career. But if you're working as a manager at Walmart, you might be making a couple extra bucks right now, but nobody you meet will help you with your career because there's no one there that can help you with that career. So any job in your career, no matter how low it is, is a step towards what you want to do and it will work. It's always better to do anything, even if it's tangentially related to what you want to do, than it is to work in any job outside of what you want to do because life happens. And most people who do well, I'm going to do this until we'll never go back. Yeah, that's yeah, that that is fair. Part of why I picked up the job at the bookstore was because I was my one of my freelance gigs had kind of temporarily run out, and I just needed something to help keep me going. But thankfully, I've actually been able to meet some pretty cool people. I've met and got to introduce myself to several people who work at Gearbox, which I'm still applying for jobs there, and I have some other people I know there. But yeah, sometimes, yeah, it, it's, it can be tough sometimes, but you just have to keep finding your way forward. You got to stay in front of them. You got to keep, uh, keep coming up with new samples of whatever you're showing, so you're always advancing yourself, and you got to keep reminding people that you're out there. Sometimes it's timing on getting in. Yep, and that's actually something I'm 
realizing I need to work on myself with my writing. I It's easy to get caught up in other stuff you think you should be doing. And it's easy sometimes to forget what you actually should be doing instead of what other people are telling you you should be doing. I mean, even tonight, you know, after after we wrap this up, I'm, I'm finishing off another one of my books. Once my family goes to bed, you know, and, and we wrap this up, I'm going to do another two chapters tonight, you know, editing my book. So it doesn't matter how late I have to stay up. That's what it's going to take for me to get through another thing. Might have to pardon the pun, but take a few pages out of your book. <laughs> Actually, don't, don't pardon the pun. That was completely intentional. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'm also definitely stealing the you'll hear about me before you hear from me. That was beautiful. <laughs> I'm a writer. I steal from literally everything. I can't help it. You're going to steal, steal the best. Exactly. And it's like, it's like one of my favorite books I've ever read. Steal like an artist. I haven't seen that book. By Austin Kleon's a pretty small one. I can send you a link, but I, people were recommending it to me for years and it was part of a sale at the store. So I grabbed it. It actually has been one good thing from stores. I now have a lot of really good reading material. <laughs> I'm running out of room on my bookshelf because I am a compulsive book buyer with no self-control working in a bookstore because that was obviously nothing's going to go wrong with that plan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm I'm crazy in bookstores. I've got a huge library of books. Yeah, especially when you get like advanced reader copies and 40% off everything in the store. Oh, oh yeah, that's dangerous. Just have to remind myself I do need a paycheck at the end of the week. Yeah, <laughs> everything's in your books. I'm definitely always been drawn towards stories. And I personally believe like the world needs more stories in it. How we connect with other people. It's how we show show the world that things could be better, things could be different. It's how we find hope. It's one of the most human things in the world I've found. And people pay attention to a story more than they do just information. Yep, that they do. It's like that phrase, a million is just a number until you've met the one. That's good. I don't remember where I got that one from, but it's a good one. Also, I feel like we could probably talk for another couple of hours, but maybe we could do that another time. Absolutely, I'd be happy to be back. Yeah, because I feel like we both have some work we need to work on. Is there anything else you would like to add before we sign off for the day? Well, I'd like people to know where they can find my books. Shameless self-promo time. Go for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. So the website for my books is MarkSimonBooks.com. So that's pretty simple. Uh, you can also find them on Amazon. And so the most recent book, Start at the Top, is available both on Kindle and in print, only on Amazon. Did you publish through CreateSpace or? When I did. Yeah, I have publishers for uh, most of my other books, but that one I didn't. I, I wrote that mostly for my kids as inspiration for them since they're just they're in college and about to start their careers. I didn't want to take the time that it takes because it's, you know, I've been published with uh, I'm with Penguin and Watson Guptill and and it takes more than a year after you finish writing for them to bring anything out. And I needed to get this book out for my kids now. So I just went ahead and self-published that one. That makes sense. It does take a lot less time, especially because I'm assuming you are also able to hire a professional editor. And well, I know you said you do some editing yourself, but and I you probably do your own cover design too. But yeah, so self-publishing is always a good option, and Amazon's usually the best place to go because they've taken over everything. 
I mean, that's where I buy all my books. I mean, if if I didn't have my Kindle, I wouldn't be able to walk into my studio because I buy so many books and I can carry them all on my phone with me now rather than a very, very large satchel. That is definitely one upside of e-readers is they're just so portable and they are convenient. So I'm like, I like e-readers, but I also like physical books too, just because they feel nice. I do. But those stay at home. <laughs> well, my I'll tell you, there's a benefit for, for me in particular. Because I, I read a lot to go to sleep. And it kind of allows my mind to shut down. When I'm reading a book, I always lose my place. But when I'm in an e-book, it just turns off. And when I turn it back on, I'm at the same place. It makes my life so much easier to keep up with where I am. That actually does make a lot of sense. I don't have that issue as much as I can constantly use it, losing my bookmark because I use a random like business card. I don't, I think it's like a college advisor. I've been using his business card as a bookmark for like three years now because I can't keep track of any others but yeah i've got a stack of books on my nightstand and then a bookshelf on the other side of my bed it's entirely books i haven't read yet all right so now that we've gotten off topic if there's <laughs> anything else you'd like to mention or advice or something you'd like to sign off with get out there and meet someone new that's probably one of the best bits of advice i can give someone it's a great way uh, great thing to leave people with Get out there and meet someone in your industry who you haven't met before because you never know where it'll take you. And it's almost never a bad place. So I've enjoyed my time. I really appreciate you asking me to be on your podcast. Yeah, and I've appreciated having you on. This has been a fantastic conversation and we'll definitely have to talk again sometime. An Incomplete Guide to World Domination is directed and produced by Brianna Toybert as part of Pseudonym Social, a creative podcast network. Music is by Patrick Chester of Chester Studios. You can find more of his work at chesterstudios.net. If you would like to help support our show, you can find us at patreon.com slash pseudonymsocial. You can also leave a review on iTunes to make our show easier to find for those who need it. For more information on the other shows produced by Pseudonym Social, please check out our website at pseudonymsocial.wordpress.com.